That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. I, I think it's pretty wrong. An 83-year-old woman stabbed to death in her own home. All I saw was all this blood, and I'm like, holy moly, what the hell is going on? It's, it's a pretty evil type of offense. There was Irma laying on the floor with her eyes wide open and her hands up, like, don't hit me. Certainly her body and the injuries, you know, tell a story. But in that story, who was the killer? There were no signs of forced entry. It had to be someone she knew for the doors to be unlocked. Could surveillance video hold the answers to this case? We have reason to believe, based on all the video footage that we watched, that the person that we're interested in actually entered Irma's building. This is Unsolved in PA. Hi, I'm Jessica Babb. I'm an investigative reporter for CBS 21 News. This is part two of Who Killed Irma Kaler? If you haven't already, go listen to part one so you can get caught up to speed on Irma's case. Irma Kaler was an 83-year-old woman who was brutally stabbed in her own home in Lancaster, Pennsylvania on May 16, 2012. Police say she had multiple stab wounds to her neck and throat, and it's a crime that caught police off guard. They say she mainly stayed home and kept to herself. Most of the people coming over to her apartment were friends and neighbors helping her out with errands or walking her dog. So if police found something on surveillance video, why haven't they caught the killer? Let's go frame by frame to find out in part two of Who Killed Irma Kaler. It's now been more than 11 years since Irma Kaler was killed. Is it likely an arrest will be made in this case? I'm not going to give up hope. And uh, our plan would be to continue to work the case and follow up on every single lead. If we get new leads, if someone calls in. All these years later, it's a hope that keeps investigators going. It's it's shocking. I mean, when you have a... Uh, uh, an incident, like I said, involving someone very vulnerable, like an elderly woman, um, and they're, you know, uh, they suffer traumatic injuries. You know, they're stabbed and, and uh, they die of, of serious injuries like that. I mean, it's very shocking to, to see that. Like you heard in part one, this is Michael Winters. I talked to him while he was the detective for Lancaster Police working this case. Over the course of weeks and months, we continued the investigation, uh, but unfortunately we have not solved the case. How does it feel that there still hasn't been an arrest made? It's frustrating, you know, it's uh, it's frustrating because, like I said, the, the main thing is the family is looking for answers and I wish we could provide the answers. Um, and the neighbors, the people that know her, the people that live there that have been uneasy about, you know, this happening. It happened in their neighborhood, it happened next door. Um, and I know, you know, people sometimes forget about these cases. They, they just kind of, you know, unless it affects them directly or they're personally collect, connected in some way, they, they kind of forget about it. But for us, you know, these are cases that are on our desk every day. And 
They're cases that we keep in our, our minds and when we have conversations with family, they, they call and just want an update, you know, is there anything new? So for that, from that standpoint, you know, it's, it's frustrating that we haven't solved this case. And it's frustrating for Irma's loved ones too. The person still needs to be caught. I mean, come on. Holly Watson, one of Irma's friends, says she still remembers the days after Irma died. The neighborhood, we had a big memorial at her house for her. To this day, I still have the Tweety Bird, and I found I have her fake flowers that were there. And I just cried when I found them the other day. So you've really never forgotten her, it sounds like. Oh no, I will never forget her. But surveillance video could be the key in changing that. Michael Winter says in 2012, there were many cameras in the area, and they tried to get as much footage as possible. Police were able to get days of video leading up to when Irma's body was discovered. Initially, there weren't really any red flags uh, in the video footage. We saw act like normal activity in the neighborhood. Uh, we saw her in the video footage earlier the night before. Uh, her body was discovered. Uh, we saw her neighbor who walked her dog, and, and we see that on video. So a lot of the normal activity that we would expect to see, we, we saw that uh, in the video footage. Irma was found dead around 9 a.m. on May 16, 2012. Since she lived alone, the last time she was seen alive was the day before on May 15. She was spotted on a street camera standing on her porch around 6.50 p.m. That's about 14 hours before she was found dead. 14 hours. Police showed us photos. You can see her clearly standing on her porch wearing a tie-dye shirt. It just looks like she's standing out there, getting some fresh air or enjoying her evening. It doesn't look like there's any problems at this point. Some of her neighbors back in 2012 say from time to time, they would see her out there smoking. The lady every now and then, she comes outside, smokes a cigarette, but for about, a, like I said, a week, we, I, we haven't seen her out here. It's not clear if that was what she was doing the night before she died, but even police say at first, they didn't notice anything off. It wasn't until later on, um, watching the video over and over and over again, that uh, I picked up on some additional things that looked a little unusual. What does he mean by that? There was a person that... Uh, we really hadn't focused on that I saw several times in the neighborhood on the night before we, her body was found. And uh, uh, he was in front of her address at one point. Uh, he was in the neighborhood kind of at different times that evening. And uh, that's obviously somebody we're, we're trying to identify and, and would like to talk to. Before we walk through what the video shows, I want to give you some more context about the layout of homes we're talking about around the 200 block of West Vine Street in Lancaster City. On that block, there are several structures, all homes. But some of them have super small and narrow alleyways between them, while others are row homes and don't have any space separating them. This probably helps a little bit just so you can kind of understand what you're seeing in the video footage and, and some of the, the photographs. So this is 235 right here, the stone house, and this would have been uh, Irma's first floor apartment. Uh, so these windows right here, this door would have led into the foyer that you saw, and uh, her apartment would have been right here on the first floor. There's another apartment up on the second floor. Um, there's a walkway here between the two homes um, that would lead to the backyard, and it's a little different than it was back in 2012. 
I think back then that gate was open and or left open most of the time and uh, uh, it, you could walk through here and go right into the backyard and this will continue all the way out to Mifflin Street which is the alley behind there. If you remember, inside 235 West Vine Street, Irma lived in apartment one, but there was another apartment upstairs. By Irma's home, there's a small alleyway which would take you to the back of the property. Michael Winters says there was a rear entrance to the home, and it wasn't uncommon to use that if you were trying to get to the second floor. But like he said in episode one, there weren't any signs of forced entry, and he says it didn't look like anyone had used the rear door. With that in mind, let's get to the video. I'll walk you through it. But you can also find it on our website at cbs21.com so you can see exactly what I'm talking about. Frame by frame. This person is first sighted with the other three individuals uh, up at the corner of Mulberry Street and uh, Mifflin Street. And they're walking uh, east, so they would have been headed down this direction. And if we were standing here at the time, we might have even seen them walk through uh, the end of the alley here. And then about three minutes later, they're seen down at the end of the street, uh, down at Water Street. The surveillance video shows what's believed to be a group of four men spotted several times in the neighborhood near Irma's home the night before she was found dead. One person was wearing a light blue shirt. Another person wasn't wearing a shirt at all and had a white hat. The other two looked like they might have had black shirts on. The cameras picked these people up just walking around the area. The first time they're spotted was around 8 p.m. That's about an hour after Irma was spotted standing on her porch. I know Michael Winters has mentioned some street names, and if you aren't from Lancaster, they'll mean nothing to you. So picture this. The area around Irma's home we're talking about is a big rectangle area of about two city blocks. If you're looking at it with a bird's eye view, this person Michael Winters was talking about walking with the group was first spotted on surveillance in the left-hand corner of this rectangle, on the opposite side of the block from Irma's house. Then a few minutes later, they had walked down to the other side, the top right-hand corner of our rectangle, still on the opposite side of the block from Irma's house. I'll post a picture of these surveillance video sightings pinpointed on a map so you can see what I'm talking about. That will also be on our website at cbs21.com, along with the surveillance video. It's a couple hours later, you know, about 1046. This person is seen walking uh, north on Arch Street and uh, coming out to the alley and then walking uh, what would have been west again. Arch Street's a pretty narrow street. Uh, if you see the building at the end of the street, that's uh, Mifflin Street down there. And uh, Mifflin Street runs east and west, parallel to where we are on Vine. Um, so just past that, those two red brick homes is where that person would have walked out of the alleyway. So you can see it's not real far from where Irma lived that they're seen around 10.46 p.m. walking through the alleyway by themselves. And they had been seen at both ends of Mifflin Street earlier in the night with the, the three individuals that were walking together. If you're looking at our imaginary rectangle again, Arch Street is a pretty narrow street right in the middle of the rectangle. Initially, he's seen about a block away. But then he keeps popping up in the video. And then early morning hours around 1.30 and then again around 2.30, uh, that person was spotted on video footage out in front of Irma's house. We're not sure where, like which direction he came from. So I'm not sure if he came from here or, or down from uh, Mulberry Street up there. But... Uh, we see him right 
in front of her door uh, and it looks like he, he may have entered the building. Strange, right? During the nighttime video, we can see this person by themselves. It looks like they might have a white jacket or shirt on, and we just see them walking. That's it. We have reason to believe, based on all the video footage that we watched, that the person that we're interested in actually entered Irma's building. If this is the case, that means this person would have entered just hours before Irma was found dead. We would like to know, you know, when, given the time of day when they went to her building and the time of day that we believe she may have been murdered, um, we would like to know if they, if they saw something or were they involved? Do they have any information? That's, that's obviously the reason that there's a focus on identifying them and talking to them. Michael Winters says they'd be happy to talk to any of the men in the surveillance video or even someone who might know them. Really anyone that has information might be helpful. Even if it's somebody that lived in the neighborhood that we haven't spoken with at this point. You know, maybe they heard something, you know, just people talk, you know, neighbors talk and things like that. But if they know the person that went to her building or was near her building on the night of the murder, they may know that person. They might be able to identify them. They might be able to talk to us and maybe they have some information that might be helpful to us. He says it's also not clear if Irma's murder was targeted or random. As we talk about the surveillance video, remember, there was another apartment in 235 West Vine Street. So this person may have easily been in the area to get to this other apartment. Maybe they lived there or were meeting someone there. At this point, we're still open to, you know, almost every possibility. But I want to go back to something Zena Craig said in part one. You might have picked up on it, but you might have missed it. Remember, she was Irma's neighbor who found her dead. I did say to myself, it had to be someone she knew for the doors to be unlocked. She would never, because she always told me, she told me that in the past that she did not get along with the people upstairs and she had to keep her door locked because they would just walk in and demand food and stuff like that. I haven't been able to track down who was living in this other apartment at the time to ask them about their relationship with Irma. And obviously, I can't ask Irma. But this is what Zena had to say. And I, I've told Irma many times, make sure you do keep the, you know, the lock on your door and make sure you ask who it is. And she goes, she was feisty one day and she was like, you're goddamn right. And she's in the hallway screaming at them. And I'm like, Irma, please go inside. Don't start anything. Just pipe it down. And she's like, no, they're down here telling me they're in here stealing my food and I can't afford it. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. I said, Irma, I'll buy you food. Just come inside. I was afraid what was going to happen. It was just a lot of, you know, things that you would hear. Um about it. And then, like I said, these people had an ongoing war with Irma. And she wasn't the only one. This is what her other friend, Holly Watson, also had to say. They were the ones always threatening wanting to do something to her because, like I said, she set her ways. To them, she was naggy and they weren't used to it. And then they were taking her mail and saying, well, Irma's blaming us for taking, well, you are taking her mail. I don't care if it's junk mail or not, it's still her mail. I don't have your name on it. And she's like, Holly, you know, if things don't stop around here, something's going to really seriously happen to her. And that's when I found it. They found her dead. I was only a week after that. Someone, she said that. And they found her dead.
Now, it's not clear what kind of relationship these neighbors may have had with Irma or how she interacted with them. Remember, friends and police did say she could be sassy and set in her ways. But I did ask police about the possibility the person who killed her could have been close to home. Police say they've explored a number of potential suspects, and some people have been excluded through their investigation. So far, no suspects have been linked to the crime through physical evidence or eyewitness accounts, and no arrests have been made. We have interviewed uh, a lot of people, uh, dozens of people, both neighbors, uh, people that uh, neighbors and family and friends have told us to talk to, uh, people that knew Irma, people that had uh, helped Irma. You know, she's an elderly woman living alone, so there were people that were providing her assistance and things like that. Um, and then also just people that have been, uh, names have come up in the investigation, and, and we, you know, when we get a lead, we try to run down every single lead. Uh, we've had people that we were looking at as potential suspects just because of circumstances or maybe, uh, you know, information that was provided, maybe a tip or something like that. And uh, we've eliminated some people just through, you know, the interview process and, and conducting uh, the investigation. Um, but, you know, there's also other people we haven't ruled out. We're still working on some things with, uh, you know, we're hopeful that as some forensic technology and, and things like that gets better, uh, that we might have a, a breakthrough with some of the evidence that was collected. Um, you never know with how things are advancing with science. Until that happens, certainly one of their best leads is that surveillance video. Is this officially a cold case? There's not a lot of new leads coming in, so if you define a cold case that way, I would say yes. Um, you know, this is not a case where we have people calling in with tips and information on a regular basis. So I worry that, you know, we don't want those tips to dry up. We want people to call. We want people to give us information. We want, we want people to remember that this case is still uh, an unsolved case. And, uh, and then hopefully somebody will hear something or know something and finally, you know, come forward and tell us. We know someone knows what happened. We know there's someone out there that did this. And we want to hold them accountable. And we want to provide the family with the answers. I've talked with one of Irma's daughters over the phone. While not in a recorded interview, she said the death of her mother has been hard on her, and she wants to get justice for Irma. She was a very warm woman. I mean, she didn't deserve anything. I mean, nobody deserves that at all. And they're looking for information. They want to know what happened. They want to, <clears throat> excuse me, have the peace of mind that the person that did this has been caught. You know, I know they've struggled with uh, worrying about, do they know this person? Is it someone that they're close to? I would love to really see it, you know, sobbed. That woman did not deserve to die that way. I just don't want it ever forgotten. I just want it sobbed. Once again, I'm Jessica Babb with CBS 21 News in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. In addition to hosting this podcast, I also wrote, produced, and edited it. If you know anything about what happened to Irma, or if you think you might know someone spotted in that surveillance video, please call Lancaster Police. Their number is 717-735-3300. You can call anonymously, and it really is so important. There are still people left wondering what happened to her. It would give them closure, and the person who did it could be brought to justice. It's not too late to speak up now. Again, share this story with your friends and family. Someone out there knows something, and together we can help bring the truth to light.
Audible is the destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Allow your imagination to be piqued by stories that are brought to life through captivating sound design, eerie soundscapes, and dynamic performances. As an Audible member, you'll be able to keep your heart rate up month after month because you can choose one title a month to keep from the entire catalog, including the latest bestsellers and new releases. If you're in the mood for a shocking psychological thriller, check out None of This is True by Lisa Jewell. Embrace brand new exclusive thrillers from bestselling authors who are guaranteed to keep you gripped. New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash thrill or text thrill to 500-500. That's audible.com slash thrill or text thrill to 500-500.